Well, good morning. Good morning, good to see you all. If it is your very first time here this morning, hello, I'm Dave, I'm the lead pastor here at Connect and uh, thrilled that you've chosen to join us. I hope you'll uh, come again and again. Um, if it isn't your first time and you were here last Sunday, you'll know that uh, I have some pretty big shoes to follow. So last Sunday we had a young lady by the name of Whitney who is our children's pastor and uh, she came in for the very first time. She got to speak to adults, she did a great job. Uh, I had a lot of people after the service tell me how much they enjoyed her message. A lot of people tell me, hey, you should have her speak again. I Some people say you should have her speak more than you do. Uh, That's my wife mainly, but, uh, but she just did a fantastic job. So it's a little intimidating coming up here after her, but we're kicking off a brand new series. So hopefully uh, um, that'll be uh, a good start for us as we jump into this brand new idea of Through the Eyes. And before I explain what this series entails, let me tell you a little story. So So uh, it's probably about a year ago, maybe a little longer than a year ago, uh, a new couple moved into Washington, and uh, I got to know this guy, and they actually uh, came to connect. They were looking for a a church in the community that they've just moved into, and uh, they they came to connect, they enjoyed it, so they kept coming, and then uh, I got to know him a little bit, and they invited us over to have dinner with them, and uh, this couple's names were Mike and Amy, so I've got a little picture of them up here on the screen. Mike and Amy are big Bradley University fans, they traveled down. This is actually a, a picture from the road trip they took just last weekend down to see Bradley win the championship game that's going to take them to the uh, NCAA championships. So uh, we got to go to their house one night. We got to eat some steaks off the grill. We're at a similar stage of life, so we we're talking about our kids and high school and college. And I just really got to know this guy, nice guy, uh, really kind of connected with him. Uh, that was my view, my first view of this man named Mike. Now, some other people, uh, maybe here this morning or even in the Peoria area, uh, may know this guy in another perspective. Because you see, Mike was the guy who in 1982, uh, him and a buddy decided that they thought they could raise some money for St. Jude by doing a run. So they ran from Memphis to Peoria in 1982, and it went so well, they thought we should do this again and again and again. And years later, Mike McCoy, is the guy who has basically helped set up all of the St. Jude runs, the rides, the drives, has raised tens of millions of dollars for St. Jude. So this guy, through my eyes, is just a great guy who I'm eating steaks off the grill with. Through other people in the community's eyes, he's a guy who's done an incredible amount of work and raised a lot of money for St. Jude. But maybe this morning, uh, if you live here in Washington, you've met Mike uh, through another perspective. Maybe the first time you met Mike McCoy was something like this. Because Mike McCoy, he moved to Washington to become our chief of police. So maybe one day you were driving around the square on your cell phone and uh, you didn't realize that unmarked black car behind you was actually Mr. McCoy and uh, Chief McCoy, should I say, and the blue and red started flashing and that's your perspective now of Mike. So I tell this story because isn't it amazing how there are people in our lives like that, that we may view them a certain way, but maybe someone else they work with views them a certain way and someone else in the community views them and, and we can see different people different ways, can't we? So over the next six weeks leading up to Easter Sunday, we're going to look at Jesus. We're going to look at Jesus that way. We're going to look at Jesus through the eyes of more than just one person. 
Because the reality is that probably for many of us this morning, we have a view of Jesus. Maybe it's a two-dimensional view from the pages of the Bible that we've read about. Maybe you grew up going to church and your mom and dad or your parents or your grandparents took you to church with them and you sat in a Sunday school classroom somewhere and you were first introduced to Jesus as a flannel graph picture on a little wall and the disciples were a little group that got stuck next to him, you know, and that was, that was your view of Jesus. Maybe you grew up and you didn't go to church anywhere. You're new to connect and, and your view of Jesus is very different because you've got no view of him prior to this. But what we're going to discover over the next six weeks as we look at the lives of six different people who interacted with Jesus, we're going to get to see him through their eyes. And my hope and my prayer is that through this series over these coming weeks, it'll show you a side of Jesus that maybe you yourself have never seen before. Maybe you'll learn, maybe you'll be able to see a a facet of the nature of Jesus that you've never seen and now you can apply that within your life. So we're going to start off this morning uh, by looking at Jesus through the eyes of one of his closest friends and disciples, a guy by the name of Peter. Now maybe you've heard of Peter, maybe you haven't, but Peter was one of the first disciples that Jesus chose. Excuse me, Peter went on to become um, one of Jesus' closest friends. And this morning we're going to start out by looking at the encounter, the very first time that Peter and Jesus interacted with each other. But before we read about it, I'm going to give you a chance to watch it. Because there was a, uh, a show that was put together last year on the History Channel, and then it was turned into a movie called Son of God. And I came across it this week, and I thought it would be good to kind of see this, this visual version of what I'm about to read to you. So check out the screens. What do you think you're doing? We're going fishing. There are no fish out there this time of day. In fact, there are no fish out here any time of day. Peter... Just give me an hour, and I will give you a whole new life. Who says I want one? I'm telling you, there's no fish out there.
How did this happen? What did you do? I'm giving you the chance to change your life. Peter, come with me. Give up catching fish and I will make you a fisher of men. What are we gonna do? Change the world. So I want to show you that clip before I read it for a couple of reasons. First, because uh, I'm sure not, uh, many of you didn't realize that Peter was English. Uh, I think from Manchester, maybe. Very strong English accent there. Um, but the second reason is, uh, I think sometimes when we read in the Bible these accounts of what took place, we, we can get caught on that kind of two-dimensional just words on a page. And, and seeing it like that, it kind of helps us to realize, wow, what must it have been like? I mean, I don't think the music was quite as loud when it really happened in real life. But it does help us to kind of picture more in our mind's eye what it must have been like for Peter that day when he had that encounter with Jesus. Let's read the full story now. Um, a guy by the name of Luke. There were four uh, men who wrote about the life of Jesus. We can read their accounts in the New Testament. The names were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Luke tells uh, the story the day of uh, this, this fishing boat experience in Luke chapter 5. And he says this. He says, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. Simon was the name that Peter went by before going by Peter. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds, Jesus, from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon Peter replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. You see, we're going to discover this morning that Jesus was a man who saw something that no one else could see. Jesus was a man who saw something that no one else could see. So in telling Peter to go out to fish, it's because he saw something out in the lake that no one else could see. Now, the truth is, for Peter to take the advice of Jesus when it came to fishing, that was a pretty big step. Because Jesus himself wasn't a fisherman. Peter was. It would be like taking advice from me. Because I can tell you this morning that I'm about as far from a fisherman that you'll ever meet. Um, I, I'm ashamed to admit this morning that I think I've fished once in my life, and it was a miserable experience. I was about 20 years old, my late teens, early 20s, and uh, me and some friends, we'd all stayed together one night at a friend's house, and one of the friends who was there, he loved to fish, so he's like, we've got to get up early in the morning. None of us wants to get up early in the morning, but he's like waking us up early. He's like, there's a great fishing spot not far from here. I'll take you. You'll love it. So we're all climbing out of bed. We're, we're so tired. We get in the car. It's raining. It's cold. He's like, it'll stop raining soon. It'll be fine. 
I took a sleeping bag with me because I was so cold. I wanted to just wrap up in whatever I could when we got there. So we get to this place. We park. We have to walk across this field. It's still raining, so it's all muddy and wet. We had to kind of cross a creek and, like, jump over it. And, of course, I don't make it all the way. So now I'm soaking wet from the knees down, still cold, still raining. We get to the river. Um, he's like, this is the spot. No one knows about this spot. It's a great place to fish. Isn't it amazing? I'm like, no. It's cold and wet and miserable. But he gets all of our rods ready. And then we, we cast out and uh, we sit there. And I said, so what do we do now? He goes, we wait. And I'm like, oh. Like I've waited 10 minutes and already that's nine more minutes than I wanted to wait. So now I'm like cold, I'm wet, I'm miserable. I get inside my sleeping bag. And within about 10 minutes, I'm fast asleep. Like I'm fully inside it sleeping. After about an hour, we packed up, we went home. We hadn't caught a single fish. It was awful. That was about the last time I ever went fishing. Okay, so I apologize. I know this morning I've, I've gone down a notch in some of your eyes. You're looking at me thinking, he doesn't like to fish. He doesn't like country music. What kind of man are you? Is that even a real beard? I'm, I know, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry that I'm letting you down here this morning. But in the same way that you wouldn't want to come to me for advice on fishing, it's amazing that we see that Peter is willing to listen to Jesus when he gives them some advice on, on doing some fishing because Jesus wasn't a fisherman. But Jesus did have a reputation in the community for some of the amazing things that he'd been doing. Peter probably would have heard of this Jesus, this teacher, this great man. And in fact, it even hints at that when he says, Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night, but if you say so, we'll let the nets down again. So he acknowledges him as a master. He, he recognizes his authority. And on that, he decides to take Jesus' advice, even though it was a terrible idea. You see, as a fisherman, Peter would have understood the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee wasn't actually a sea. It's a, it's a large lake. And people fished there a lot, but they fished at night. Because at night in the shallow water is when you caught the fish. Not in the daytime and not in the deep water. You see, the fishermen of Palestine, they understood that all these fish, they worked their way in towards the shore at nighttime to feed on the swarms of minnows in that warmer, shallower water. So the fact that Jesus was asking Peter during the day to go out to the middle of the lake made no sense from a fishing point of view. But Peter tried it. And Peter discovered that Jesus was a man who saw something that no one else could see. Verse 5, Peter says, Master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and were on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others that were with him. His partners James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they were also amazed. But Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid, because from now on you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything they had and they followed Jesus. This was a 
the first day for Peter in what was going to be an incredible journey for the rest of his life. A journey that was going to lead him closer to Jesus. A journey that was going to introduce him to a man who saw something in Peter that no one else could see. Who I think saw something in Peter that even Peter couldn't see. That was Jesus through the eyes of Peter. You see, Peter, I think, would have heard of Jesus. He would have heard about this man who had been performing miracles, doing great things. So maybe Jesus' reputation preceded him a little bit, and that's why Peter was willing to at least allow him to, to come out in the boat with him. But it wasn't until in that boat, when those fish started to come in, did Peter fully understand who this man really was. And in that moment, two things happened to Peter. He was both amazed and aware. He was amazed and aware. Here's what I mean by that, okay? We read that, that verse earlier. It said that um, Peter was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught. Peter was just amazed at this miraculous catch of fish. But in that exact same moment, when Peter realized who this was in the boat, Peter became very aware of who he was in the presence of Jesus. His response, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. I shouldn't be here with you. Here's the crazy thing. Peter, like I said, had probably heard of some of the other miracles that Jesus had done. At this point, Jesus had healed people. He'd cast out demons. I mean, much bigger miracles than the fish. But it's a lot different, isn't it, when you, when you hear of someone's reputation, when you hear stories told of someone, and then when you actually get to see in real life it takes place, it changes your view of that person. When you get to discover who somebody really is, your view of that person changes. Many years ago, um, I actually came to America in the mid-90s to start a missions program called ACE Teams. And the program, we trained young adults in ministry skills, and then they would work in churches around the country. And the training phase took the first three months of the 10-month program, and then the next seven months, they would work in the churches. So during the training phase, it was my responsibility to book in pastors and lecturers and youth pastors and, and as many different people as possible to teach and coach these young adults so that when they went to the churches, they were really equipped to do what they needed to do. So I was always looking for new people to book in to teach. And, and throughout this process, the program I've been going for about two or three years now, I contacted a Bible college, a big university up in Minneapolis. And I said, you know, I'm wondering if there's a way that somehow we could connect with you so that the students who do our program, when they graduate, if they come to your college, they would at least get some credit based on the experience of what they've done. They said, yeah, we think we can do something like that. We've done something like that with some other programs. So we'll send one of our guys down and he can come and talk to you and talk to your students. So when they said that, in my mind, I'm picturing that there's a guy on staff whose job it is to go to conferences and high schools and conventions and just put up a booth and talk about uh, this, this university. So I was like, that's fine. You can send him down and I can you know, introduce him. They're like, well, he'd like to come for the whole day and teach your students. 
And I'm not too sure about this because I'm thinking he just wants to come and sell his college, you know, and this teaching time is really more for ministry preparation. And I, I, I kind of explained that and said, well, that's fine. You tell us what he wants to teach on. He'll teach on whatever. So, so he came down. And he actually did a really good job, this guy. He spent the day with the students. He taught some great stuff from the Bible, some great leadership stuff. And, and by the end of the day, he'd really kind of inspired and, and challenged these students. So we, I took him out to dinner that night. He'd come all the way from Minneapolis, and uh, he was staying the night in Peoria. So we, we were having dinner together in Chili's, I think, and I'm asking him different questions. You know, I said, so do you go to a lot of places like this? You know, do you go to a lot of schools? You know, what do you do? He goes, well, I do, he goes, but I don't go to too many because I'm really busy on the campus. And again, I'm thinking this is the salesman who goes around promoting this stuff. So I'm like, well, why would you be busy on the campus? What do you have to do there? He goes, well, as the vice president of the university, I have a lot <laughs> that I need to do. And at that moment, I'm like, uh, I'm like going through my whole day, like, what have I said to this guy? I mean, even when I introduced him, I was like, here's some guy from a college. Thank you. <laughs> I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I didn't realize you were the, straight away, my view changed. I let him order off the adult menu instead of the kids' menu. I, I mean, I really started to change the way that uh, I treated this guy. I actually said to him, I'm so sorry. I said, if I'd known you, the vice president, I would have introduced you as that. I would have, he's like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. He was a great guy, and we had a great time together, and he actually did help us work together as a program to where students that did ACE teams could then go on to this college with, I think, 10 or 12 credits just based on what they did on our program. But I remember at that time just sitting in that restaurant and everything in me changed my perspective when I understood who this man was. And I think until those fish came into the boat, Peter knew a lot about Jesus. But in that moment, he understood who Jesus was. And instantaneously, there was this amazement at the power of this man and this awareness of how bad Peter felt in Jesus' presence. Lord, I'm a sinner. Stay away from me. When Peter discovered who Jesus really was, it changed his view of him. But here's the wonderful thing that we're going to learn from the eyes of Peter that still applies to us this morning is what happened in that moment. You see, the amazing thing is is we discover that through the eyes of Peter, that Jesus takes us as we are. Jesus takes us as we are. Jesus asked Peter to follow him as he was. I mean, think about it. What must that have been like for Peter? One day the guy's a fisherman. The next day he's a disciple. Sat around with some other disciples. Maybe one night they're sat around the campfire together and they're, they, they don't really know each other that well, so they're kind of getting to know each other, telling their stories, you know, where'd you grow up? What do you, you know, kind of that, that, that first week when you get to know some new people that you're going to be hanging around with for a while. And, and then suddenly one of the guys around the campfire, they've been together for two or three days now. He says, do you guys smell that? I just keep smelling that awful smell. What is that smell? Maybe a couple of those are like, yeah, I keep smelling it as well. What is that? It's, what is that? It's, it's awful. It just smells like rotten, dead fish. Maybe Peter was like, I can't smell anything. They're like, Peter, I think it's you. You kind of stink. He's like, really? Jesus? And she's like, yeah, dude, I'm sorry. You stink of fish. Here's what I love about that initial encounter between Jesus and Peter. 
when Peter said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. He didn't say, yep, you're right. Get away from me. Go and get that stinking fish off you. Go and clean yourself up. And after a week or two, when you look a lot less like a fisherman, a lot more like a disciple, then come follow me. That's not what Jesus said. Now, when Peter said, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a simple man. Jesus didn't say, no, you're not. You're a great guy. Because Jesus knew Peter was right. He was a simple man. But he still said, come, follow me. Because Jesus takes us as we are. This would have been eye-opening, just, just baffling for Peter. Because he lived in a time and place where it was common for these rabbis, Jesus would have been looked at as a rabbi, a religious leader, a teacher of the time. These rabbis, they would recruit people to follow them. They would recruit these disciples who would come and spend time at the feet of these rabbis, learning from them and growing and developing to the point where one day they themselves could be a rabbi who would raise their own disciples. But do you know who rabbis didn't choose to be disciples? Fishermen. Jesus chose the most um, just bizarre group of people to follow him. They were so unconventional. There were some fishermen, some tax collectors. There was a zealot who was a political activist of his day, these weren't the people the rabbis normally chose to follow them. But I think one of the things we can learn looking through the eyes of Peter at Jesus is that Jesus takes us as we are. He doesn't expect you to get rid of that smell of fish first, to clean up your act, to sort things out. He wants you to come just as you are. He wants you to follow him just as you are. That's who Peter saw when he looked at Jesus. That is so important to understand that view of who Jesus was. In fact, when we launched Connect, we, we kind of understood that's who Jesus was. So we, we created this, this culture here, this environment at Connect Church uh, six years ago when we started saying, well, we want to be the kind of place that uh, we see that Jesus created for those that followed him. So we created this environment. We use these three words a lot, and we still use them today. We want to create a place where people can come and belong, believe, and behave. That was our philosophy from the beginning, and I'll explain to you now. We knew that as a brand new church in the community, we were probably going to reach some people who, who may come in who, who didn't currently attend church. That was our goal, that we'd reach people that didn't have a church home of their own. And that some of these people would come in maybe a little bit nervous of, of uh, going to a church for the very first time. So we wanted to create an environment where they felt like they could belong, where they felt like they'd be welcomed the minute they come in. I hope if it's your first time here this morning, you felt welcomed and you felt like this is a place I could belong. In fact, for us, uh, one of the wins were that if people would come again and again. Because it would show us that they feel like they belong and that they're accepted for who they are. Because that's how Jesus viewed Peter. Our prayer was that as they came, as people would come again and again and again, that there would come a point where they would hear us speaking about Jesus on a Sunday, maybe in a small group, maybe in our Alpha class that we run on Monday nights. Maybe you have a coffee with a friend who invited them to church. Maybe uh, with a meal with a friend. But they would understand that this Jesus loves them. He wants a relationship with them. And at some point, our prayer is that they would make that decision to believe that they could have a relationship with Jesus. 
and that they would step over that line of faith and say, I want to follow Jesus myself. I believe this is true. So that place of belonging leads them to a place of believing. And then out of that belief, we would start to see Jesus transforming their lives. They would start to behave differently. I've heard wonderful stories here at Connect to Families and individuals who have come to know Jesus and who all their life have struggled to forgive someone. And it's just kind of made them bitter and twisted on the inside. But since starting a relationship with Jesus, they found that with his help, they've been able to forgive that person for what they did. And now, out of that forgiveness, they feel like they've been set free of that bondage that they were in. Some have changed the, the things they say, the way they behave, their, their anger, their impatience, whatever it may be. They start to see the behaviors change. And only Jesus can do that. And here's why we've been so... Um, We've worked so hard to, to maintain this culture, this environment, because as followers of Jesus, if we're not careful, the longer we go on, the longer we exist in our churches, we can make the mistake of flipping these three words upside down. We can create a, a culture or an impression that, oh, you want to become a Christian? You want to learn more about? Well, that behavior is going to have to change first. <laughs> You're going to have to stop doing that. And those words you use, they're going to need to stop. And what we heard, you know, all that behavior is going to change. And if that gets sorted out, if we can sort out all that behavior, and you're willing then to believe in Jesus and accept him, then you belong. And that's not what I see in Jesus. That's not what I see Jesus doing here with Peter. Fisherman, no experience. He said, Peter, come follow me. Come follow me, because I see something in you that others don't see. I see something in you that maybe you don't see in yourself. Come as you are and follow me. But if Peter was here this morning, he'd say, but let me tell you this. This is the best part. Yes, he took me just as I was, but you know what? He then takes me to where I can be. He then took me to where I can be. Jesus doesn't want to take you as you are. He wants to take you to where you can be. As we look at the life of Peter, we start to see this transformation take place. We start to see him grow and, and develop. And, and thanks to his time spent with Jesus, we see some changes take place. As you read through those four accounts of Jesus' life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see Peter's name pop up from time to time. And uh, in different contexts, in Matthew chapter 16, 18, we hear about a time that Peter gave the right answer to the right question. And listen to Jesus' response. He said, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. He's saying, Peter, you get it. You understand it, and because you get it, when I'm gone, you disciples, it's going to be on you to build the church for the future. And Peter, you're going to be part of that. You're going to be like the foundation, the rock upon which the church that we're still a part of today will be built upon. Peter's like, oh yeah. Did you hear that, guys? High five, anyone? High five? <laughs> I got it. But he learned in the good times and the bad, he didn't always get things right. Just a few verses later, Jesus has to kind of challenge him a little bit because of something he said. Now, maybe you've got a boss at work who, who gets on you sometimes and they're, they're tough on you. Uh, maybe you've done some things wrong and they've had to call you into the office. 
That happened to Peter. Listen to what Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16, 23. Jesus turned to Peter and he said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. I guarantee you, however much trouble you got in at work this week, if your boss didn't call you Satan, you're doing okay, all right? You're doing better than Peter. So sometimes Peter was doing it right, sometimes Peter was missing the mark, but Jesus used these times to develop him and to bring out in Peter what Jesus saw that others didn't see. And this morning, I want you to see yourselves through the eyes of Peter. I want you to see Jesus through the eyes of Peter. Peter was a work in progress. Even at Jesus' death, Peter was still messing up. When the soldiers came to arrest Jesus in the garden at the end of his life, Peter decided to pull out his sword and try and fight them off. And in the the melee, he, he cuts the ear off a servant. Jesus has to heal his servant. He's like, hey, buddy, he's put his back on praise room. Sorry about that, it's Peter. He's a bit of a hothead. He said to Peter, Peter, I love you, but you're going to deny you even knew me three times. Peter says, no way, Jesus, I'll never do that. And if you remember the story, the the rooster crows, and, and it crows to remind Peter that three times he's denied even knowing Jesus. He's still messing up. But we read that Jesus, he was crucified and he rose again. And then miraculously, he appears to many people, some of whom were the disciples and one of whom was Peter. And he spends time with Peter because he knows that Peter was so broken when he messed up. And Jesus needs to forgive him and say, Peter, it's not over yet. I still see something in you that no one else sees. It's not long after that, just a, a few short months, maybe years later, Peter finds himself stood before a huge crowd of people in Jerusalem. Jesus is now dead. He's ascended to heaven. And everything rests now on the shoulders of these disciples. If the church is going to grow, it's going to be on them. And in Acts chapter 2, in verse 14, we learn that Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and he shouted to the crowd. He started to serve. He started to preach that day to the crowd. You can read in Acts chapter 2 everything he said to them, but the very end of that verse, passage, we're told that those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Peter started this revival in Jerusalem, 3,000 people. And it was Peter, that guy that Jesus saw one day on a fishing boat and said, yeah, you're right, you are a sinner. But come follow me, because I see something in you that you don't see in yourself. That's Jesus through the eyes of Peter. And he wants to be that Jesus to you this morning. He sees something in you this morning that maybe you don't even see in yourself. Several years ago, I was working at a church in Peoria, and I... uh, I was invited to go to a banquet, and it was to honor a gentleman by the name of Carl Cannon. Some of you may have heard that name. He's in Peoria, and he runs a program that works with uh, a lot of teenagers, a lot of kids who work in the inner city, uh, kids who are great kids, but just because of where they've been born or the family they've been born into or the um, economic status of the place that they live are, are, for the most part, destined to end up in trouble, maybe prison. 
So Carl Cannon, he works with these kids and, and he tries to help them get out of some of those, those ruts that they're stuck in. He encourages them, he develops them, he puts them through these programs where they learn manners and respect and he works with local businesses to get these kids jobs. Well, the, the city was honoring him. This event was to honor Carl Cannon. So when he accepted the prize, he stood up to give a, a little speech and I was there and sat over at this table. There was a table full of about eight or ten of these teenagers. He goes, I want these kids to stand up. They're all a part of my program. And these eight or ten kids, they all stood up, and they were all dressed real nice. And we all clapped because we were so proud of these kids. And he told a few stories about how great they were. And then they, they started to sit down. He goes, no, no, wait, wait. Uh, and there was one little guy, his name was Billy. I don't know his name. He goes, Billy, you, you stay standing. I want to talk about you just for a second. So he goes, everyone, I want you to look at Billy right now. Billy is the first kid in his family who will go to college. None of his brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, none of his family have ever, but Billy has been accepted at college. And we're all like, that's amazing. He goes, now Billy, he wants to do criminal justice. He wants to go into law enforcement. Billy's going for a great career and we're all clapping again. And Billy starts to say, no, wait, 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 you stay standing up. And you can see that in that moment, this man has seen something in Billy that maybe he didn't even see in himself. But before he'd let him sit down, the chief of police was at this event. He was sat over here at another table in his full uniform. He goes, chief, I need you to stand up. The chief of police stands up. He says, Billy, I want you to look at the chief. Chief, look at Billy. They look at each other. He says, Billy, one day that's going to be you. That's where you will be one day. We're all clapping again. But in that moment, you could just see something in Billy as he's smiling, the, the realization of that could be me. I think that's what Jesus wants to say to us. When he said, Peter, you're like a rock. One day, amazing things are gonna happen. Jesus takes us as we are, but then he takes us to where we can be because he sees something in all of us that sometimes we don't even see in ourselves. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. And to be able to look at your son Jesus from different perspectives, I think is gonna help us to understand even more just what a wonderful Savior he is, how amazing he is. And to see him this morning through the eyes of Peter, to see him as he was able to look on at Peter and see something in Peter that Peter couldn't see in himself. Help us to understand that when you look at us, Jesus, when you look at us, you see the same. You see something in us that we often don't see in ourselves. And you accept us and you, you love us and you take us just where we're at. But Lord, the great news is you don't leave us there. You help us grow and develop and become the person that you've created us to be, become the person that you see inside of us that sometimes we don't see in ourselves. So Father, I pray that everyone here will find that way to say, Jesus, help me to follow you. Help me to, to get out of the boat to follow you just as Peter did. In Jesus' name, amen.